The Spin-Off Podcast Network. You're listening to Business is Boring, a podcast that reckons it's anything but. Business is Boring is brought to you by SparkLab, offering inspiration and practical advice to help businesses find their edge. To hear more about SparkLab, including details about the latest events, workshops, and business tools, visit sparklab.co.nz. And now, here's your host, Simon Pound. You're listening to Business Is Boring, a podcast that reckons it's anything but. Business Is Boring is made by The Spin-Off with help from Callahan Innovation. Here's your host, Simon Pound. How we all use plastic is a pretty buzzy thing. It's most often made out of petrochemical materials that are very not good for you. And then we do stuff like wrap it around our food. These plastics last for a staggering length of time, breaking down into smaller and more dangerous parts over the next hundreds or thousands of years. Yet so much plastic is designed for single-use purposes, and so little is ever usefully recycled. A few years back, plastic shopping bags became public enemy number one, and so the single-use plastic bag was banned, and the solution was to replace it in pretty much every store with a thicker plastic bag. This is how I met today's guest. John Reed was an entrepreneur who had a concept for using home compostable new kinds of materials to replace shopping bags. However, they got caught up in the ban and he no longer had the business opportunity he'd been building. His solution was to keep going and tackle other plastics in the home. His company, Compostic, makes home compostable cling wrap and other kitchen products, working to replace the staggering amount of single-use, unrecyclable plastic that people use each year. I've worked a bit with John over the years, and it's been awesome to see him grow the company from specialty stores to now be available in most supermarkets in New Zealand, hundreds in Australia, and launching into the US. To talk the journey, the problem, and the future, John Reed, CEO and founder of Compostic, joins us now. Kia ora, thank you for being here. G'day Simon, thanks for having me, how are you? Uh, great, great, lovely to see you here. So, so tell me, what were you up to? before you started the company and what led you to get interested in the massive problem of all of these single-use plastic bags floating around? Yeah, so um, before I started with Composic, uh, I had been working a, um, a job in home automation, which I left after a couple of years because I wanted to, to start my own thing um, and had no idea what I was going to do. I, I went out and did some consulting, if you like, um, and worked with a number of different businesses. But what I was really doing was, um, I think, keeping myself open to to bigger opportunities. Uh, I had no idea what that was going to be, but I knew that one day I wanted to do something for myself um, and 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 build a brand around around something. Um, I had a couple of friends who who you know who were in packaging at the time, and um, a, as you do over a few beers, we're discussing you know, how each other's businesses were doing and so on and so forth. And they started to 
to wade into um, the subject of plastic and how a lot of the retailers that they were working with were finding it a problem and they were trying to move away from it and, and find different alternatives. And I kind of thought, why? Why why is it such a big problem? And and so this whole thing sort of stemmed from ignorance for me. Um, I wasn't I wasn't aware of how big the problem plastic was causing to our environment. I was 24, 25 years old at the time, um, well-educated guy. And so I turned, once my eyes were open, I kind of turned around and went, well, well why isn't this front and centre? You know, this is such a big problem for our world. Why, why isn't this on the news? Why aren't we taught this in schools? How have I been able to um, be allowed to go so long without understanding the issue? Um, so once my eyes were opened, it, it kind of became a mission of mine. Um, and it started just, I, I guess the way I saw it, there was this convenience with plastic, um, starting with plastic bags. And I felt like if we were going to um, solve the problem, then we had to provide a, a solution that was just as convenient. Um, so I started researching different technologies that, that might be able to replace them, things we'd used in the past, paper, and why that wasn't necessarily um, a viable alternative moving forward for the long term. Um, so, so, yeah, uh, that, that's sort of where the whole thing stemmed from. And how do you go about that that kind of journey of starting to find alternatives? Because when you when you dig into it, like the plastic bag was like public enemy number one a couple of years ago. Mm. Everything was about shopping bags. But then you get your shopping bags home full of things and everything else is wrapped in plastic and mm. so much packaging is finished in plastic. And then there's like the secret or, you know, like not acknowledged problems like shipping bags for e-commerce. Mm-hmm. You know, there's billions of bits of, of plastic floating around. How do you start to tackle a problem like that? Um, having conversations, I guess. Uh, so the first thing the first thing I did was I, I went over and started talking to some of the factories around the world who were producing this plastic. And um, some of them were looking at different alternatives. Again, as the industry were... This, this was prior to it being a big thing in the media. Um, I think this was probably a couple of years before the media really picked up the the whole shopping bag thing. Um, so yeah, went went out and started talking to people in the game. What what were they doing at the moment? What what did they see coming in the future? Were there any materials available? Was there anybody else already using materials? Um, and and you find out quickly that there's a lot of greenwashing in the industry as well. You know. Uh, we, we worked with these products called OXO or biodegradable or plant-based products, right? And, and they're sold to you because, I, I, as you well know, I've got no scientific background or anything. Um, so so I'm, I'm, going with, um, I'm going on what people are telling me. A lot of people tell you these products are fantastic. You dig a little bit deeper and they're still 90% plastic or they're 50% plastic. And as that polymer breaks down, they're leaving these microplastics. So you have to be careful um, about what what you listen to and what you believe and you, you have to do your own research and, and usually your own product testing. And, and I think despite the fact that there were certifications around this compostable material, I'd been burned a few times, so I brought these things home and composted them uh, myself. But I, yeah, like, I think it's just having a lot of conversations with people, to, to be honest. You've got to really put in the, the time and the work Um and then eventually you'll find the right solution. And what led you to compostable things in that first instance? As that's like, you know, a huge movement now with sure. um, 
cities all around the world starting to have organic waste collection. Sure. And, you know, it's it's a huge, um, a huge trend that's going. But five years ago, you know, it was pretty niche. Yeah, yeah. For, for me, it was logic. So um, I, I start by saying, you know, we didn't seek out a compostable alternative. That wasn't the idea in the first place. It wasn't, hey, this material is available. Let's let's seek it out. Um, like I say, we we did our research first to find out what what materials were available, and then once we had done that research, what what was the most sustainable. And then as we sort of pushed forward, started to learn more more about waste management and why composting is so important. And so for me, along every step of this journey, it was just logic. It made every step made sense. So, you know, we're replacing plastic. The the product that replaced it is um, functions exactly the same as the plastics that we used to know, which is really important um, because life is getting more convenient for everyone, right? You know, we sit here now, you can do everything from your phone and your life is over if your phone turns off. But everything is so convenient for people. It's really tough to suddenly ask them to change their habits, 7 billion people to change their habits. So you have to provide something that people can just pick up and replace. And then you put it in your compost and, you know, I couldn't believe my eyes the first time it happened. Suddenly I was digging through my compost pile and there was nothing in there anymore. I'm desperately trying to find it and that's amazing. Um, And then as we go further, we find, you know, 45% of our waste at home is organic. Um, Most of that, all of that waste at the moment is going to landfill if you're not composting it. And landfill, it can create methane gases as it breaks down, right? Um, That's far more toxic for our environment than carbon dioxide. We also have issues in in our farming industry with soil quality and we use pesticides and all these other things that we spray on our fruit when we've got this opportunity, half of our waste can go to a composting facility and create a resource at the end of it, which can go to our farmlands and then grow more organic and and healthy fruit and, and veg and all those sorts of things. So I think for me, that's what's been so inspirational is every step of the way, if you follow logic, then, then those are the systems that we should create moving forward. Those are the systems that will improve our societies. Yeah, it's pretty wild if you do take a couple of steps up and look at it as a systems view, the way that we're running things at the totally. moment, oh. the way that we treat so much of um, you know food, the most important re- resource and water, mm-hmm. you know, two of the most important resources we have. And it's just, it's just wild. But how do you, as one as one kind of guy, or you know, a small business around around you, how do you go about, yeah, starting to uh, advocate and and push for change in a system like that? I, I learned from that plastic bags movement, right? Because as I say, we we started um, trying to solve this problem before the plastic bags thing was 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 getting all the hype that it had in the end. And I think what we learned very quickly, and we saw this from our own Facebook page, um, was that. Everything was consumer-led. Retailers tended to know that there was that issue. They've, they've known for a long time that they're poisoning our environment with, with these bags. What really changed the game was um, things like social media and spreading that um, education piece across social media. You know, Suddenly we had 10,000 people following us and we were just a bag company. It showed that level of interest. Um, and that's where I believe the plastic bag ban stemmed from. It stemmed from consumers saying, we don't want this anymore. As a society, this is what we don't want. And so we're, we're, we're looking to do the same thing. And, and as you say, as an individual or a small company, it's difficult to do that. So what we're relying on is getting people involved and engaging with consumers, 
trying to educate people and um, we do, we're do we doing a lot of work with schools at the moment to educate kids, the next generation, on why it's so important to compost and avoid plastics and, and create a more sustainable future. And eventually those consumers will rise up and there will be, once that platform is, is built and we, we have a stronger voice, that's when we can really start um, advocating for change and, and trying to change some systems from a, from a governmental or a council position. So it's a long journey. It's not something that happens overnight. And, and you know, we're only just starting on that journey for sure. Yeah, because governments and councils, they can do some pretty out of it things, eh? Like, oh, absolutely. <laughs> like that plastic bag ban when, you know, so, so the plastic bag became public enemy number one. And the solution to it was to ban any plastic or any material that was a certain kind of uh, thickness, which meant that home compostable alternatives were also banned mm -hmm. and the solution became really thick plastic bags, which obviously is just more of the problems. So what did you do when when that happened? Like, because you'd been building up the business for a while, I'd been watching you uh, work with heaps of retailers, get kind of like <laughs> shipping bags out there. Yeah, like yeah. You, you were really offering an actual alternative to these plastic bags that people could take home and chuck in their home compost. And then suddenly your business was banned. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think, I think the funny thing was... You know, I'd been looking at that business model for some time anyway because uh, we've, we found it quite frustrating working with some of these larger retailers. There's, you know, nothing, nothing against them, but um, the tender processes are long, arduous, and at the end of the day, they're a business, right? They're there to make money. And so to ask them to spend double the amount of, of money that they're currently giving away in plastic bags to, to move home to home compostable wasn't, wasn't an easy task, and yet that was still our core business model at the time. So I had been working on these consumer products in the background for a little while. Um, one of the reasons being that, again, going back to that consumer movement, this was a consumer movement. This wasn't a retailer movement, right? So when that problem was solved in the supermarkets or, or seen to be solved in the supermarkets, what were people going to do next? You know, they, they were very aware, and yet they had all these products at home that they were using that were made out of plastic. Um, and so I guess as a young up-and-coming business, you have to be very agile, right? And you could, we could have turned around and said, okay, the, you know, our product's been banned. That's it. We're out. See you later. I'm going back to find a job. Um, instead, I turned around and said, okay, we're a consumer products company now. That very day, I remember within an hour, I sort of said, okay, that's, that's not what we do anymore. Now we're a consumer products company. And um, yeah, we changed the name and built a built a new business around that. But we did it quickly, you know, and and we made that decision really quickly to turn that around. And um, yeah, we we certainly didn't want to feel sorry for ourselves. Things like that happen, and and you've got to be open to change. <laughs> it's a pretty wild thing to happen. It's yeah. A, and, and so as a result of it, though, you know, because of that attitude and because of the work you'd been doing, you ended up with the world's first home compostable mm. cling wrap alternative. Mm -hmm. Why cling wrap? And like how bananas is it that something that is used so ubiquitously through mm. HOSPO and, you know, every home in the world probably has a roll of this unrecyclable plastic, that there wasn't a good alternative being made and available? Yeah, good good question. Um, and I think, you know, the my first, my first reaction is that it's not easy. <laughs> I learned that real quick. Um, <laughs> 
you know, you see this thing on a roll that sticks to plates and things, and you think, oh, of course, it's, it's really easy. We'll make that in no time, you know? No worries. We'll be out in the market in, in two or three months. Well, it took about two or three years um, to develop, and, and that's quick. Um, it's not an easy product to make. It's something that people, the functionality of it is really important to people. You know, it has to come off the roll really easily. Um, it has to stick to things, but it can't stick too much, you know. Uh, so it, it's it's difficult. It's difficult product to make, and that's probably why there aren't so many alternatives out there. And why? Um, look, it's one of those things that people. When we talk to people, obviously before we do anything, we go out and we talk to consumers to find out um, what what they what they're currently using, what issues they're having with it, what they like about it. And I think one of the when we went out and talked to people in that first instance about the plastics that they do use at home, why they use them, um, what they like about them, what they don't like about them, the main thing that came up was cling wrap every every single time because people had tried alternative beeswax wraps and a number of other things and they'd found them frustrating. They didn't quite function the same way that cling wrap had. Um, and so they always turned around and said, I went back to cling wrap or... I still have a bit of cling wrap in my drawer for this, that, and the other, right? <laughs> Dirty little secret. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And I think, uh, you know, for me, I hope that people start to realize as well that some of the alternatives that they use might not be as sustainable as they think. You know, we love we love people reusing. We love people thinking about reusing. But when we're talking about plastic containers, we have to consider where that ends up as well um, and how long those things last and how thick they are and how much energy goes into making them and all those sorts of things. Yeah, we think we think we've come up with a really sustainable solution that that answers all those questions. You know, it it is really easy to use. It's something that people can swap out instantly, um, and they can they have it in their power to dispose of it in the right way so that it is a hundred percent sustainable. Yeah, tell tell me about that kind of end of life piece, as like you mentioned with the words like biodegradable mm. or bioplastic or things that people mm. say. Like, you know, the earth is biodegradable given enough of a time frame. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, you yeah, know, yeah. It, doesn't, it doesn't mean anything at all. It just means it breaks down into bits. And so consumers do have like probably a quite, you know, they're quite justified in being sceptical about kind of terms and stuff, eh? Uh, and I've noticed on anything that you do, it'll be like 100% home compostable. And then the first comment on any Facebook post <laughs> is going to be, can you compost it at home? Yeah, yeah. Like how do yeah. you, how, well, how does the product work and how do you go about telling that story? Um, how does the product work? Okay, good question. Um, essentially, you throw it into your compost with all your other organic waste at the end of its life. Uh, and it breaks down anywhere between sort of six and 24 weeks. So depending on how well you're keeping your compost and um, the heat and all those sorts of things, then uh, it's gonna it's either going to take longer or shorter. Uh, it breaks down into like a, what we call like a hummus and water and oxygen. Um, the certifications, which are the key things around it, and the certifications uh, require it to leave no toxins behind after it's broken down, has to break down after a certain certain period of time. So that's a third-party agency that will test the product over a certain period of time and say, yes, okay, this did what you claim it to do and therefore you can use the certificate which is on on the box and, and on, our, on our website and things like that. Um, the difficulties around the, the other stuff is y- you're right, right? All these other products, the oxo-degradable, the biodegradable, you know, now we see a lot of 50% plant-based or plant-based <laughs> products, right? 
Um, these are just claims that people people tend to make. Um, they make their box look really, you know, um, environmentally friendly and sustainable. The reality of those problems are they're still packed with plastic, mm-hmm. right? And and wherever the the other polymer that goes inside them, this plant-based product that goes inside them, as that breaks down, it leaves that plastic behind. So you end up with these microplastics, as you said. If you've got just a 100% plastic bag, for example, you see it on the ground, you can pick it up, you can throw it in the bin, you can try to make sure that it goes to, to landfill at least so it's not getting in our waterways and things like that. But those products, as they break down in the microplastics, you can't be picking up thousands of tiny pieces of plastic. Those are the things that get into the soils, into um, the waterways, into our oceans and things like that and really start to pollute our environment. So um, you, you have to be careful and um, you have to ensure that whenever you're using a product, that product has some sort of third party that's saying, okay, this is, you know, this is okay to use. This is, what, this is what this thing will do once you've put it in a certain place. Yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty wild, hey, that it's okay to make claims like that when they are pretty misleading. Like people could like quite genuinely walk into a supermarket and go, oh, I'm doing my bit for the world. It's some plant-based stuff. But then the end of life is completely, uncons- you know, not considered in any in any way, shape or form. But how, how were you able to then take this product in and get it into? How did you get it into shops and how did you get it into supermarkets as it costs a little bit more because you're not mm. at a scale like mm-hmm. these massive chemical companies? Uh, and, and you know, it's quite a different proposition to say to people, hey, here's something completely new in an aisle that's had home brand and the big the big player mm. forever. But it's not really mm. a place that maybe people are, you know, shopping going, oh, I wonder what new developments there are in uh, <laughs> click wrap technology to keep abreast of. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, the 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 one thing I'd say is that the retailers are really making a big effort. Look, they, they're, huge, they're huge companies, right? And we all know that in those big companies, changes make time. Um, I've been lucky enough to work co- quite closely with the two major ones in New Zealand, and they're certainly making big efforts to to change their ways and to, to try and become more sustainable. Um, and that and that continues on to products on shelf as well. So they were actually really excited about something like this coming to the market. And, you know, you talk about um, the big players in that game and, you, you know, as you say, people don't tend to come into that aisle in the supermarket and say, I wonder what's changed. I wonder if there's something new in here. Um, they don't. But that's what's so exciting about this is suddenly there is something in that category that people can go, oh, wow, this is different. Haven't heard of that before. That's 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 quite a change. Well, maybe I'll try this. So it's bringing, it's bringing value back into that category for them as well. And I think I think they can really see that. And, and suddenly they... Um, certainly the the people that we work in there are proud to have those sort of products on their shelf. Um, so, yeah, they, they've been very open to it. Um, yeah, we're still, like you say, we're, we're a little bit more expensive than the alternative, but um, we believe that people are willing to spend that little bit more to do their bit for the environment and, and, and take a little bit of guilt off their conscience. You know, it's a really simple change to be able to make every few months, you know, for a, spend a little bit more and, and feel good about the the way that you're consuming these things. Tell me about the idea of it being 
green as um as a as a parent with mm. you know kids going to school and stuff. Mm. It became like if you put cling wrap into your kids' lunches, you'd get a note back from the school being like do you hate tortoises or something? You know, like it was, <laughs> why do you hate dolphins? Like it was so dark, you know, cling wrap was such an enemy. And then by having it green, you know, it, that that was quite interesting because then suddenly you can send it to school and go, nah, 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 this is the good stuff. It's yeah, okay. Yeah. yeah. And and that was the thought behind it. I, I mean, um, the idea was for it to be uh, easily identifiable um, so that, People could feel good about themselves, you know. They they could look in their fridge and, again, through product testing, you know, we did some iterations that were green and some some that were clear and everybody loved the green stuff because it made them feel good, you know. They opened their fridge. It's full of green wrap. Um, they send their kids to school and their kids would – their friends, their kids' friends would tell you, what, what's the green wrap? And they'd get to tell them the story about how they were – they were being more eco-friendly and then those kids would go home and say, Mom, why don't we have the green wrap? You know, why are we still using plastic? Um, but then the other side of it as well was to make it identifiable at the other end. So we, we work quite closely with um, the guys at We Compost who do a lot of a lot of um, compost collections for businesses and we wanted them to be able to pick it up and say, okay, well, this is the compost that gets green. So, um, because otherwise it, it just kind of looks like plastic, right? So we want to make sure that they were able to identify it in their systems as well. Kia ora. Justin Giovanetti here, and I'm the political editor at The Spinoff. This podcast, like so much of the work we do at The Spinoff, is made possible by the support of our members. To find out more about The Spinoff members and how you can help us keep producing quality, independent journalism, visit members.thespinoff.co.nz and do it today. And in growing the business, um, you know, you've got it into now um, stores in Australia and the US. How do you go about growing there? And is their market similar to ours and that, you know, the gap was still there? Like since you were the first to launch, have other people kind of jumped in and tried to get in the space or are you still ahead? Yeah, the, the gap is still um, the gap is still there. Um, I would say that, you know, I think we tend to think that we're ahead of the world from a sustainability front and the world thinks that we're ahead of the world as well, but really, um, I think everybody's catching up. Certainly in Australia, there's a big movement at the moment. Um, we're we're not far away from launching with one of the major retailers over there, and um, they've been incredibly supportive of what we do. Um, we almost launched with them last year, and COVID kind of stopped that, unfortunately. Um, but no, they're all they're all incredibly supportive and excited to see see something come to fruition as well in that space. Um, and there are a couple of people around who are, who are trying to do something similar, um, but we feel like we have the best product on the market. And what's happening in America? What's happening in America? So, um, yeah, we launched over there about seven weeks ago just on Amazon. Um, we have some distribution partners that we've been working with probably for the last 12 months. Again, COVID slowed down our progress there. But, yeah, we, we launched about seven weeks ago, and it's going really, really well. We've had um, some great media over there. We were in the Washington Post, USA Today, um, Yahoo News. Um, so certainly, you know, some of the media is getting excited about what we're doing, uh, and that is transferring through to consumers as well. Our, our rate of sale is growing very, very quickly um, on Amazon. And, um, yeah, we're, we're starting to talk to some, some major retailers over there as well about getting onto their shelves and, I um, certainly would like to talk to a few more, and yeah, that that's the plan. I guess our mission um, has always been to to move quickly. You know, we're we're not just here to build a business; we're here to solve a problem, and we want to do that worldwide, not not just in New Zealand. We want to spread awareness 
across the world, our, our mission is to eradicate plastic from consumers' households. The way that I see it, again, we go back to logic. We've got this alternative that is available. Why not use it, you know? I've always said it, you know, it would be like having the cure to COVID and, and, and just keeping it hidden away. We've got to get people to start using these sorts of alternatives. And if we really want to make a change for the world, it's got to happen um, globally, not just here in New Zealand. So, Yeah, and it is wild, eh, because so much energy goes into creating all of these single-use plastics that then just become a truly toxic legacy. Like, we, we, we're not even... It's like asbestos, you know? Like, we didn't know how bad asbestos was, and now people are scared of dumps because there's random asbestos in there. And it's going to be like that with plastic in the future. It'll be like, you're leaching stuff into the water, it's a disaster. They'll have to cap them all in the future. Like, mm-hmm. we're just not thinking down downstream enough. And yet, you could with all of that material, like you say, be making future plant food. Yeah, totally. I think what really encourages me is the, the response that we've been getting um, from people of all different ages. And, and that, that really surprised me, actually. You know, we expected um, certain generations to be really on board with it um, and others we thought probably wouldn't care so much. But actually, the res- response has been phenomenal across the board. You know, I really think that Everybody is starting to buy into this and we need them to continue to do that. We need people to continue to support businesses like ourselves who are trying to make changes for the better. As as they do that, the future will then, in the future, we will become more commonplace. Suddenly plastic will be a thing of the past, um, but we really need everybody to buy into that in order for that to happen. But I think, it, I, I really think it will, I think. You know, give it 30, 20, 30 years and, and plastic will be something that we look back on and say, why don't, you know, why did we do that again? What, <laughs> what was yeah. going on there? Yeah. And how are we going to clean up all those micro bits and yeah, keep yeah. them from getting into the waterway and like spoiling all of our, 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 our soil? Um, what, um, you know, like along the way, like when you were talking to people about this, uh, you know, did people tell you you were bananas to try and take on, you know, this massive category? Like, you yeah. know, from 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 a small country with, you know, without like, you know, massive chemical company backing. Yeah, I mean, of course, it is a bit crazy, right? <laughs> it is it is a little bit crazy, but um, look, I, I've always backed myself. You know, I think if you if you want to do something big, then you've got to take on the big guys, no matter what you're doing. There's always competitors and there's always, almost always somebody who's already doing it and who already leads the way. Um, and if if we don't do something about it, then they'll just rest on their laurels. They'll continue to put plastic into into our um, environment. So, um, look, yeah, it might be crazy, but I'm a crazy guy, so. <laughs> <laughs> and- and what what will be what will be success for you, and what would be success for Compostic in this venture? Like, um, and and I think especially in the context of, you know, it's so cool that you you left a job to keep yourself open to to there being a business that you could make a mark in. Like, it's quite quite remarkable that you kind of, um, yeah, that you picked that path before before the path was there. How how does how does that feel be- yeah, before look, we get to success? Maybe. Yeah, yeah, sure. Um, I, I mean. I knew I knew really early on. I knew through you know my teenage years as a as a young guy. I wanted to do something for myself. I wanted to make a mark on the world. I'd always, in one way or another, wanted to make a mark on the world. And I got really frustrated working <laughs> working in some of those businesses um, for other people. And I'm, I guess I'm very opinionated, and I'm quite loud about those opinions. Um, 
And so, yeah, I think I think after a wee while, I just thought, look, if if I'm going to do something, now's now's the time. And um, you know, I've seen other people go down different paths, and it's very easy to get stuck in in a job or in a in a career. You know, you're constantly getting promoted on oh, the next one's only so far away, so I can't leave now. And I and I didn't want to get stuck in that. I wanted to leave myself open. I wanted to. I'd way prefer just throw myself in the deep end and say. What's going to happen? Can I can I swim, and just yeah, um, really go for it. So um, I'm I'm happy with where I've got to at the moment. By no means would I say I'm successful just yet. Um, success for the company is making that mark on the world, making that difference, being able to remove that plastic from from households. So like I say, the mission is to eradicate plastics from households. Um, that's exactly what we want to do. We want, I want to, in 10 years, be able to meet a stranger in the US or the UK or anywhere and they, and they can tell me, you know, I don't use any plastic at home. I've, I've been able to remove all the plastic from my household. I can live um, guilt-free, you know. Ah, that's, that's so awesome. Well, thank you for sharing the story. It's been cool um, to watch it so far. I can't wait to see where you... You take it. That's John Reed, uh, CEO and founder at Composto. Thanks, Simon. Thank you very much to Jonathan for producing, and thank you very much for having us along uh, in your ears. Cheers. You've been listening to Business is Boring, presented by Simon Pound, and brought to you by the spin off and Callahan Innovation. From the Spin-Off Podcast Network, that was Business is Boring, brought to you by SparkLab. Make sure you're following Business is Boring wherever you get your podcasts. And for more information on SparkLab, visit sparklab.co.nz. Are you making the most of your KiwiSaver investment? Generate is an award-winning KiwiSaver provider with a track record of strong long-term performance. Making a smart decision now could add tens of thousands of dollars by the time you reach retirement. Book a no-obligation chat with a Generate KiwiSaver advisor today at generatekiwisaver.co.nz slash advice. A copy of the product disclosure statement is available at generatekiwisaver.co.nz. The issuer of the scheme is Generate Investment Management Limited and, of course, past performance does not guarantee future returns. The Spin-Off Podcast Network.